0: From Kurt Media. Coming up on this episode of Life Done Better.
1: Oxygen is very reactive and it just burns things. We have an internal rusting that happens over time because there's oxygen stress. So if you can prevent telomeres from shortening, you can basically hack your lifespan. Welcome to
2: Life Done Better. I'm your host, Jill DeYoung. Hello there. Let's talk about breathwork. Breathwork is not new. It's been around for a long time, but it does seem like more people are interested in trying it out, especially because we're looking for new coping mechanisms to deal with stress, anxiety and depression. My interest in breathwork was low. I already exercise frequently, eat healthy and meditate. Isn't that enough? Uh, Adding on breathwork to all of this felt like a chore. But my interest to breath work got sparked when I noticed my husband was breathing poorly. He lives with chronic pain and it causes his nervous system to be in fight and flight mode. He was mostly breathing through his mouth, was gasping for air at times. And while I took one breath, he was already at three breaths. Now you may not suffer from chronic pain, but your breathing may be compromised at times or breath suffers when we're tense, when we're dealing with difficult things. So we decided to swap out a morning meditation practice for guided soma breathing techniques by Niraj Naik, and it's been great to learn from him. And of course, I want to share it all with you and invited him on the show. Welcome, Niraj. Welcome to Life Done Better.
1: Pleasure to be here. Amazing.
2: So you started out healing others as a community pharmacist, but... Several years after that, you become a patient of stress-related depression and ulcerative colitis yourself, right?
1: Yeah. So I was actually a community pharmacist for quite a few years, almost like seven years. And that's where I really got to see what the healthcare system was like firsthand. And, you know, I would see people going away, getting worse, not better. And it made me wonder, "What's, what's this all about? and you're working on your feet all day long, like in a conveyor belt. And if you're going to work that hard to dispense medication, you want to be confident that those medications are working. But I'll be completely honest, like it's a dysfunctional diff- system completely. So I lost my passion for this pretty quickly. And and stress, you know, they say like there's a one question you should ask yourself every single morning. It's like, are you waking up with enthusiasm to do a hard day's work? If you're not, you keep ignoring that you're, you're going to get chronically stressed and then you're going to get sick. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I had a bit of a breakdown and I ended up getting ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune condition, which literally left me housebound for almost a year. And it was going through that journey where I tried all the conventional medications, which weren't working, giving me side effects, was facing having my colon removed. You know, the, the consultant who saw me, who was this huge obese woman, had told me that diet doesn't have any effects, stress doesn't have an effect, just shut up and take the pills, basically, or have your colon removed. I, I then took matters into my own hands and ignored all of the doctors who are in my family. And, you know, we have a lot of, in Indian culture, we have a lot of relatives and family who are doctors, and they were all telling me that, you know, you're crazy for trying anything alternative. So I literally exited that environment. I moved away And when I came back, I just baffled everybody because they were like, how did you do it? It doesn't make sense. You know, nobody had cured themselves in that culture before that. Everyone just stays sick. Suddenly had a new business, which was based around my passion because I was, I turned what my system into a way online to serve other people who had the same condition. And, you know, I went into pranayama because the person who really helped me was this yoga teacher called Swami Ambukhananda who said, you've got a gift here. If you can heal yourself without all that stuff, you could be an amazing role model to other people. And I realized that with these ancient breathing techniques, which revolves a lot around rhythm, using rhythm with your breath, that you could actually use music to accompany that, to actually create altered states of consciousness where you can go in and reprogram, reformat the operating system of the mind. And this was the simple techniques I created. These like self-hypnosis techniques, using music, brainwave entrainment, breath from pranayama, breathing techniques from pranayama.
2: It's beautiful to hear that you teach what you had to learn most. And obviously it's not that one thing. It's a combination of things, like you said. But what was the one thing that you think was the majority of your healing? Was it living more authentically? Was it eating more whole foods? Was it your breath work?
1: The most impactful was definitely the special rhythmic breathing from pranayama where you extend your exhalation. You breathe in for two beats, you breathe out for four, which is usually done in seconds, right? So you do that for several minutes and it switches off sympathetic and switches on parasympathetic. Every time you extend your exhalation, because when you breathe out, you stimulate parasympathetic. When you breathe in, stimulate sympathetic. It was that method where you then follow that with... Breath retention. So you do that for several minutes and then you do a technical kumbaka, breath retention in different ways. And that would create this harmonization, firstly, with the with the rhythmic breathing of your nervous system, bringing you back into more of a balance, turning off the stress. And then it was a combination of that with the guided meditation. So with guided meditation, you can actually literally be like your own software programmer of the mind. So there was a book that I read called The Power of the Subconscious Mind by Dr. Joseph Murphy. He was actually a pharmacist, but he was into Christian science and also into Ayurveda and and Chinese medicine. And he brought the two things together. This was like in the 1940s. He wrote a book, The Power of the Subconscious Mind. And I read this book and I was like, wow, this is really fascinating. It talked about the subconscious mind and a system of scientific prayers where you can use like affirmations and visualization techniques to reprogram this operating system of your mind and so what i started to do was use those techniques with this guided breath meditation which i put to music i would say that that was one of the most powerful things but then what i started to do was do that in the sauna and i loved the so sa- i was drawn to the intense heat of the sauna i, I live near a really nice spa in, in the uk so i'd go there quite often and do these techniques in sauna, like extended exhalation and chanting, like Om, or humming. Mm. So you do like rhythmic this rhythmic breathing for several minutes, and then you would do the toning. And that was such a release of like emotion and stress, and and it was such a good way to get into these altered states of consciousness.
2: Game changer. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've been doing it even this morning, you know, the the two breaths in and four breaths out. I must say like it's new to me. It's a very short inhale for me because I usually uh, I breathe pretty well. I am, don't breathe very fast. And so like just have two seconds is, you know, almost, you know, rushing my inhale to get a really deep, long exhale. So what, what is actually the reason for this? Like, what is the idea behind uh, shortening your breath but extending the exhale? What kind of condition are you creating in your environment?
1: Yeah, sure. So there's a physiological state called intermittent hypoxia, which you can create with machines. So they have clinics called IHT clinics where you breathe in high oxygen for a bit and then low, very low oxygen for several minutes. And you create this difference in oxygen levels which basically makes your blood oxygen levels drop below like 90% SpO2, it's called. That's the measure of oxygen saturation. And this triggers a state in your body which creates an adaptive change to a low oxygen environment. And your body thinks it's running out of oxygen. So it produces more red blood cells, improves myoglobin, and it also improves vascularization. And the idea is that your body's like basically adapting to a low-oxygen environment, and in doing so, it becomes more efficient at using the oxygen. Now, there's a reason why we need to do this. So somehow, in the ancient yogis, they understood these physiological benefits of reduced oxygen, brief periods of reduced oxygen. And they actually studied animals in nature as well to help develop their system. And they found that animals that have a very long lifespans, like elephants and turtles, they have very slow breathing rates, okay? Right, there's some weird anomalies to this rule. And the naked mole rat actually lives predominantly underground in a hypoxic environment, very low oxygen environment, and it can hold its breath for like 18 minutes at a time. And instead of living one year like normal rats, it lives up to 30 years. Wow. So it's it's like reverse aging. Yeah. Now, the whales... They live over 200 years, and they can hold their breath for like two hours at a time, right? And they have very slow breathing rates, less than one breath per minute. Looking at the animal kingdom, there's a correlation between breathing rates and your ability to hold your breath and longevity, right? And recently, studies have come out actually confirming the telomere length, which is like your bio clock, basically of your DNA, and when your telomere shorten, that's when you your lifespan starts to reduce. So Basically, if you can prevent telomeres from shortening, you can basically hack your lifespan. So there was a study in Israel that was done, which revolved around creating intermittent hypoxic conditions, and they actually showed that intermittent hypoxia, this adaptive change to low oxygen, actually prevents telomere shortening and also the production of dead cells, like aging cells. So, so there the science is now confirming this, and more and more backing up this but the ancient yogis basically created a breathing technique they call it or kumbhaka, which is a type of breath retention you, you do like fast breathing followed by stopping your breath holding your breath after the exhale which brings you to this physiological state so it's kind of mimicking what the machines do right or the mm-hmm. machines are mimicking what this breathing stuff does and it also mimics high altitude training which is a yeah, you know, it, very popular I, thing now So why why would we want to become more efficient using oxygen? Oxygen itself causes damage to the body, causes oxidation, right? And Helmut Sees, who is the father of redox chemistry, which is all about oxidation, right? And he basically says, although it's very difficult to live without oxygen, it's also very difficult to live with oxygen because of oxidative stress, So that's why we need antioxidants in the diet. It protects against oxidative stress. Oxygen is very reactive and it just burns things. You know, like you see metal rusting left out with lots of air exposure. And we have an internal rusting that happens over time because there's oxidative stress. So a healthy lifestyle actually is all around mitigating this oxidation, okay? Like having high antioxidants in the diet and actually reducing breathing. So becoming less needing oxygen, so more efficient using oxygen, so you need less oxygen to produce the same amount of energy, actually means you have less risk of oxygen stress. That's why if your breathing rates are much slower, if the amount of air you need to breathe in and out, so your depth of breath is lower and you can hold your breath for long periods of time, you're going to have less oxygen going into your system. You're going to be more adapted. And basically, there's a yogi called Swami Sivananda and he sums it up very simply. He says that, Most average human breathing rates, because we humans have the conscious ability to control our breath, which sets us apart from all the other animals. But on average, humans breathe around 15 breaths per minute. Now, if you breathe around 15 breaths per minute, you're going to live an average lifespan around 70 years, all right? But if you hack that and you can bring your your natural breathing rate down to like 10 breaths per minute, you can actually live more than 70 years, up to 80 years or more, right? Right. If you can bring it less than 10 breaths per minute, you can actually live beyond 100 years. That's that's the philosophy of yoga.
2: Ooh, well, I'm going to start counting now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so what we do with Soma Breath is to bring your breathing under control so you can actually breathe less over time.
2: Got it. And uh, so 20 minutes a day is sufficient for this effect to take place?
1: Yeah. If you were just to do one breathing technique that helps you become more efficient, use ox- oxygen, which is how this... Nishesha Rachaka, breath retention techniques, that would definitely help a lot, but we bring in the other aspects that you need to do to make your oxygen usage more efficient, and that is the right diet. If you overeat, it causes your body to actually need more energy because for digestion, okay? If you don't eat the right food for your body type, you're going to spend way more energy trying to digest that food and deal with that food. So eating less, is key and the right food for your body type. Like exercise is another key thing. You have to do the right type of exercise. Like Certain types of exercise can actually mean you over-breathe. You breathe out too much CO2 and CO2 is essential. That's one of the most important gases, which we've been told that is this toxic waste gas that we must get rid of. Actually, according to pranayama, CO2 itself is the prana because without CO2, you can't get the oxygen off your red blood cells and into the tissue cells where you need it to go. It stays stuck to your red blood cells. So over-breathing from the wrong exercise can actually cause issues with oxygen efficiency, but also stress and emotional stress and mm. overthinking. Because right? when you think, when you've got that monkey mind going on, whirring around and ruminating and contemplating constantly, right, which is I have a case for a lot of people and all that emotional stress, worry yeah. about the future, being hung up on the past, okay, not being in your present. What happens is that also triggers your sympathetic nervous system to increase this demand for energy, all right? And that means you start over-breathing, you start naturally hyperventilating, and this disrupts oxygen efficiency as well. So our system's all about oxygen efficiency through learning reduced breathing exercises, and using intermittent hypoxia in the right way, the right exercise for your body type, and also the right thinking and dealing with stress.
2: Quick question. If someone has a high-stress job, puts a lot of pressure on him herself, just feels like life is a bit too much, and then books a class for high-intensity interval training, would you say, hey, cancel that class and do some walking instead or do some yoga instead to counterbalance the state that they're in?
1: No, high-intensity interval training is actually more like an aer- anaerobic exercise than aerobic. Anaerobic is where you basically are forcing the body to basically use the oxygen supply from within rather yeah, than- Yeah, breathe better. Yeah. That high-intensity exercise is actually the key, Okay, right? good. Short good. bursts of intense exercise. What we're talking about is that long cardio, like where you're jogging for like an hour, two hours, or running for like, you know, like trying to do marathon. Yeah.
2: And beyond even ultra marathon. Yeah, absolutely. That must be so taxing on the system. Now I also have experienced the uh, root lock, which is called a Mula Bandha. So in the 20 minute guided breathwork meditation that I did this morning, you lead us into, I think the first, I mean, I don't really watch, you know, the exact time, but it's probably seven to 10 minutes. We do, after those seven to 10 minutes, we hold uh, our breath and we squeeze our sex organs and visualize pulling the energy up to the spine and then to the brain, right? And then kind of tilt the neck forward. So uh, chin to chest, and then we don't breathe for as long as we can. So tell me about like why you integrate this technique and, and how it benefits us.
1: Yeah. So in our 21 day course, we go more into the use of the mula bandha for activating the life force energy from the root. So according to the Vedic system, you know we have this chakra system and each one of these chakras seems to correspond to the endocrine glands, right? So we have different endocrine glands that deals with the functioning of our physiology and our experience of life. So the mula bandha is associated and they Ashwini mudra, there's there's two basically bandas or locks, right? Which are around the area of the sex. They when you contract them or, or engage them, you actually stimulate the sympathetic nervous system and you actually trigger activity of that hormonal system. Okay. So with rhythmic breathing, when you do rhythmic breathing and you create like a pulse of those bandas, okay. You can actually create a very good feeling around your physiology, like a boost in your mood naturally as you start to produce more dopamine and, and oxytocin. So with rhythmic breathing and use of this lock, you can actually start activating what we call the kundalini energy, the life force mm-hmm. energy, yeah. right? And with rhythmic breathing for several minutes, followed by breath retention, and then a focus on the breath retention on after the inhale, using this root locks is the sacred divine technique for kundalini awakening. However, it needs to be done safely and with the right basically system, because if you do it too fast, if somebody who's not properly prepared, it can actually cause more stress and throw people off balance.
2: I've always been interested in learning more about it because the root lock and Kundalini yoga has always spoken to me, but I'd never really understood well how to integrate it. So I never really did it on my own until your direction. I actually always look forward to that part because I'm like, okay, I'm through the first part of the breath work and I'm like... (gasps) And then you squeeze everything so hard, but it's not easy to keep it locked. I, I noticed that, you know, like I have to like really remind myself to keep it locked because we start relaxing again, even though the breath is not there. And then there's also this worry about I'm going to be out of breath soon. How long is he going to want me to do this for? Like, shall I breathe? Shall I hang on? It's, it's a very funny dialogue in a way where... Yeah, it's a voice of fear, a voice of fear that is coming to you because it's very rare that we don't breathe for a period of time, that we stop breathing and are conscious of it and we're not in danger. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Miraj Naik. But stay tuned after this show where we will be playing a breathing technique example that you won't want to miss. It only takes a few minutes and you'll love it.
0: On medicine, we're still practicing. Join Dr. Stephen Tabak and Bill Curtis for real conversations with the medical professionals who have their finger on the pulse of healthcare in the modern world. Available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Produced by Kurt Co Media.
2: Welcome back.
1: We actually can hold our breath much longer than we think and our body will always make us breathe again. It's impossible to suffocate yourself just by holding your breath. You know, you'd have to like strangle yourself or something. Well, to somebody know. somebody would have to strangle you. So that's the first key thing is that you yeah. can you can't really cause any damage at all by just yeah. holding your breath. Secondly, the first imprint of fear we get actually is the moment we're born, right? the moment we're born, because we spent nine months in the womb, protected, nurtured, we're in our little sanctuary, everything's done for you, right? The first thing you have to do for yourself when you're born is breathe, okay? And it's the first time as well we actually breathe in so much oxygen because in the womb, the concentration of oxygen is much lower. It's like the top of Everest, right? As
3: yeah. soon as
1: you're born, you actually breathe in a lot more oxygen. You know, That's where the whole process of aging begins is the moment you're born so quite often the doctor will slap the baby to get them to breathe to start breathing because the first thing you do is gasp and you hold on to the breath because you don't know how to breathe yet and you think that this is the last source of oxygen you're going to have so then the breathing cycle kicks in quite often with a doctor slapping the baby Mm -hmm. bum some people are more natural but that's what starts it off but is also where the first imprint of fear comes in. And you notice people who are scared, they tend to gasp and they do the same thing because the reptilian brain deals with our breathing and all of the autonomic functions. And it basically deals with our survival at all costs, right? That's all it cares about, the, the most primitive part of our brain. And we can either just let our breath be under the control of the reptilian brain, which is what most people do. They're just unconsciously living through life. And the, however, the reptilian brain, if it's in a hostile environment, will make you breathe too fast, you know, over-breathe and be stressed when it doesn't need to be. So actually, these ancient practices of holding your breath beyond the comfort zone is all about overriding that first imprint of fear. When you do that, you start to repattern the brain and it, its association of fear, okay? And it will then knock on to other areas of your life. So the first breath retention that we teach is is after the exhale, okay, where it can be very freaky and weird for people because you end up holding your breath much longer than you thought you could. And that's when the fear training begins. It's like repatterning fear. And when you do it the first time, it starts to rub off on other areas of your life. You start to have more confidence and higher self-esteem and less fear about other things. It's weird how it's like a side effect. But then there's other things that tricks to hold your breath longer. And that is the understanding that actually your windpipe, it just needs to feel like there's air moving in and out. The suffocation feeling comes from when there's no air moving in and out. So there's ways to trick that. If you do like a breaststroke like this, okay, it kind of makes a movement of air in and out. And that actually allows your you to hold your breath even longer. Or if you like shrug your shoulders, because your windpipe thinks that it's you've got air moving in and out. Okay. The other things is to do with the diaphragm. So the diaphragm starts to twitch. You get that uncomfortable feeling with the diaphragm. When you override the first few sensations of it, you can actually count down in your head, like go down from 10 down to zero in your mind slowly or from 20, you know, and then you can actually go to 30 and that will distract the reptilian brain because you're bringing your conscious mind's attention to counting. And that tricks the brain into allowing to hold it even longer. So yeah. a,
2: single, a single focus helps counting down.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, I also sometimes when I'm on the water, I'm a kite boarder and I, you know, hold my breath or when the wind is super gusty and I'm smacked around. Yeah. And then there's a moment of, of quietness and I'm like, I'm safe. I'm safe. Actually, every time I see a big sea turtle and there are plenty out there, I just, I, you know, I think of that's always my sign. Breathe. I'm safe. And and yeah, as soon as I start breathing properly, I'm starting to relax, I'm starting to enjoy it more. So yeah, breathing is is so important. And and you know, the funny thing is that I was like, oh God, really? Do I need to do breath work? I already exercise, eat healthy, do you know, meditate. I mean, it just feels like another thing on my to-do list. But now I do really understand it better. I, I enjoy it. Also, I have meditated for so many years that I really welcomed the guided meditations. I really love the music that you put on there, and the music has a very. It's I mean. there for a specific reason let's talk a bit more about the brainwave music technology that you've developed and that many leading therapists and wellness centers around the world are using
1: yeah so uh when it comes to music we're going to talk about rhythm first all right and every function in your body is governed by rhythm okay and actually the universe is rhythmical in nature all right so in your body you have these biorhythms infradian rhythms circadian rhythms ultradian rhythms And the most important rhythm, actually, the most powerful rhythm is the rhythm of your breath, breathing in and out. Like life is just a series of inhales and exhales. And actually, because it's such a strong rhythm, all the other rhythms in your body, all the functions in your body are actually subservient to the rhythm of the breath. So, with rhythmic breathing exercises, okay, where you breathe in and out for exactly the same length of time, in and out, you can actually start. Bringing back balance to a body that's gone off balance, and it can actually bring balance and harmony to your mind, your thoughts. If you're having erratic thoughts, you can bring harmony back in to your mind. However, in pranayama, there's a lot of rhythmic breathing patterns that that have counts in them. So you would breathe in for four seconds, out for eight seconds. If you count in your mind as you're doing the breath, what happens is the breath quite often becomes jerky because you go one, two three. And each time you're like jerking the breath, yeah. this is really bad in breathing. Breath should be smooth, Fluid. right? And that helps harmonize the functions. But when it becomes erratic and jerky, which is actually what happens when you're stressed, then that actually messes up the cardiovascular system because the heart is so intimately linked to the rhythm of your breath. So it actually doesn't beat or it beats as it should, but the blood flow becomes jerky too. And that has all these issues with the physiology. But with smooth and rhythmical coherent breathing, which is actually really easy to do if you use music, because with music, you can time the breath to the beat precisely. You can use like sounds, the sound like an ocean wave or a breath sound. And if you just breathe like you're making a sound as well, you can go always in through your nose, out through your mouth, you can actually make a very smooth breath that's perfectly in time with the music. And the music has the counting in it. So you don't mm-hmm. need to count in your mind. You're just going with the flow of the, br- of the music. And that's the thing that I figured out. That was the bit that the unique thing that we figured out was soma breath. And that's why we use quite often the rhythmic music to accompany these rhythmic breathing patterns. The brainwave entrainment side of it, is actually designed to take you into deep, like kind of brainwave states where you you can change the brainwave state from alpha down to theta and then even delta. Okay, but this is done usually for the more guided meditation tracks where you're like very passive and your breath is just normal, but you're you're like s- drifting into s- sleep or going into altered states, right? But yeah. we do use this also times with the meditation part what our tracks some of our tracks are like rhythmic breathing followed by breath retention when you hold your breath after the exhale you literally press pause on your thoughts and it's like a defrag switch for your mind okay and there we may use like brainwave entrainment music to aid that process of going very deep into a state of meditation however there's no better entrainer of your brainwave states than your breath so we have breathing patterns where the, it's very slow rhythmic breathing, like four in, eight out, or even eight and 16, where you're doing like, like your breathing rate goes down to like two or three breaths per minute and sometimes one breath minute. And that, when you can breathe one breath per minute, you're going into very deep theta states, like altered states.
2: For all the listeners to get a taste, here's a quick example of how Niraj implements music into his breathing techniques.
0: In-two, out-two, three, four.
1: In-two, out-two, three, four. In-two, out-two, three, four. In-two, out-two, three, four. In-two, out-two,
2: three, four. And what happens to our heart rate
1: some tracks can actually make your if your tolerance to carbon dioxide isn't optimized yet which means your ability to handle carbon dioxide in the system so carbon dioxide actually tolerance is integral that's one of the things we help develop because carbon dioxide is what tells your brain to breathe again to inhale all right so if you have poor carbon dioxide tolerance you end up hyperventilating if you have really good carbon dioxide tolerance you can have very slow breathing because you can handle high amounts of carbon dioxide And having carbon dioxide is important because it's a vasodilator, bronchodilator, and it helps get the oxygen to the tissue cells, okay, through the Bohr effect. So if you actually do like a 4-8 breathing pattern and you don't have very good carbon dioxide tolerance, your heart rate might go up a little bit, okay, because you're trying to pump more oxygen around the body because you're struggling to get the oxygen where it needs to go, okay? But it's not going to be like crazy amount. It all depends on your oxygen efficiency, but that will change. So at the beginning, it may go up a little bit, your heart rate, but then with practice, it will go down as well. And especially when you hold your breath, when you hold your breath, especially when you're breathing on the exhale, remember when you breathe in, your heart rate goes up a little bit. When you breathe out, your heart rate goes down. Okay. So when you're on the exhale, what you'll see is actually your heart rate will go according to how you're breathing. So If you're breathing in very slowly, your heart rate will go up. It'll be normal and then go up slightly to match your inhale. And then as you exhale, it'll go down. So that's the pattern, general pattern. When you hold your breath on the exhale, you'll watch your heart rate go down, down, down very, very quickly.
2: And that's a a good thing, right? You're bringing your heart rate down. I mean, I feel like I'm around 48 and 50 because I'm an athlete. I naturally have like a lower heart rate. And I I believe, I mean, I I do remember going to the doctor's office and they were worried about it. And I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, I'm an athlete. We're good. Because they were like, it's a little low. But... Not, not having any health issues, obviously, we want the heart rate to be somewhat lower, right? We don't want the heart to be racing all day because it is healthier to breathe slower for the heart rate to come down. Even blood pressure will drop then.
1: Yeah. Well, the in my opinion now, the breathing rate is the most important metric. Breathing, breathing rate. Breathing rate and the depth of your breath. So if you have a fast breathing rate and you have to take big inhales, exhales, It means you're not very efficiently using oxygen. If your breath is very slight, like it doesn't even look like you're breathing at all. And your breathing rate's like less than 10 breaths per minute. And I think that that's more of an important metric than your heart rate. And you'll find that your heart rate will, will match that anyway. Most people who have very low breathing rates have lower than average heart rates as well.
2: Okay, well, thanks for explaining that. Like I would also love to learn more about chest breathing versus belly breathing. What is the right way to breathe?
1: The according to the ancient system, diaphragmic breathing is key. And and the modern science backs us up. Our sympathetic nervous system receptors are in the chest. Our parasympathetic are in the diaphragmic area, right? The lower lungs. And if you breathe into the diaphragm, you actually get the air to the area of the lungs that is best for absorption. And you also stop yourself from getting stressed and over-breathing. But it's not about needing to have full lungs of air on the inhales and exhales. This deep breathing is actually a bit of a myth, a misconception. As I said, Lao Tzu says that perfect human breathes like they don't breathe at all. The breath should be very slight in and out through the nose. So you must always breathe in through your nose and out through your nose as much as possible. In techniques, you may use your mouth, but your inhale and exhale should always be through your nose throughout the day. So normal breathing is very different from techniques. In techniques, you may use chest breathing, you may use mouth breathing, and but they're all for different uses. But generally, diaphragmic breathing into your diaphragm, then into your chest, but you, you shouldn't even need to use it today-to-day. Unless you're doing exercise, you're not going to need to use your chest at all. That's the best way to stay at your best.
2: Great. You already answered my other question too, because yeah, it's a big thing. Thinking about nose breathing versus mouth breathing, I feel like we need to like reconsider how we breed uh because from a young age on we obviously just breathe we don't really think about it and and so i read a book by james nestor called breath the importance yeah. of nose breathing and he's a he's he's pretty crazy like he's done these intense studies on himself he was pretty much the guinea pig of his whole experience The conclusion is nose breathing is what we need to be doing. And so even when I'm on my bicycle and I'm gasping for air, I'm trying to like control it more by breathing slower in through my nose. And and also, obviously, we can't always control every breath and especially when you're exercising, but it does have a lot of functions or our nostrils have all these incredible (laughs) jobs that it won't be able to do all the things that it needs to do if the air doesn't pass through the nostrils, right? And so check in with yourself if you're listening to see how you're breathing today. And I'd like to close with one last thing that you talk about and it's you know what I'm passionate about is vibrational energy and elevating your State. The state that we're in is sending out a frequency and you know the universe responds, right? We want to like be in an elevated state of mind, of being. What is the one or two things you do to elevate your state? If you're feeling down, how do you hack it?
0: Great.
1: So you're obviously a fan of like the law of attraction and probably read the secret. Or watch yes, the movie, I I, I do
2: think I do think it's not complete. It may be a little bit flawed and not as easy as you know, like they they, they express it. But I yeah. do think it was a wonderful seed planted in the world that had a beautiful yes. effect for sure. So
1: actually, Bob Doyle from The Secret just became a Soma breath instructor, and uh, he says that this is the secret. He loves the 21 days because that really is a system I developed that is all about. Creating the life that you really want, like really fixing all of the physical things about your health, your breathing, your exercise, Mm -hmm. diet, but then also the way you think and how you can change your state instantly with the breath. So, it's what I talked about earlier is that your autonomic functions, your nervous system is intimately linked to your breathing. And when you breathe in rhythm, you actually can quickly harmonize those functions. Okay. So, if you're feeling overly stressed out, You do that extended exhalation where you breathe out twice the length of time as you breathe in. So four in, eight out, for example, for several minutes, it brings yourself back in balance and switches off stress. Okay. But if you just do even breathing where you breathe in the same length of time as you breathe out, because when you breathe in, you stimulate sympathetic. When you breathe out, you stimulate parasympathetic. Even breathing takes you from like, say a negative state, like low vibrational state where the emotions are low jealousy fear anger hatred those sorts of horrible emotions that keeps us paralyzed and you know stuck if you breathe in that rhythm you can actually bring yourself back into a neutral state of mind same thing if you're overexcited if you're like too turned on you know too supercharged which can also not be a good thing you can bring that back into balance just with a few minutes of rhythmic harmonic breathing which is what we provide so that's why the breath is so important and Also, one one key thing is nasal breathing is so important to restore balance of physiology because nasal breathing is the only way to produce the right amount of nitric oxide that your body needs. Nitric oxide is vasodilator, bronchodilator. It helps get oxygen working with carbon dioxide to where it needs to go. But it's also antiviral, antimicrobial, antibacterial. And I'm sure if you do a correlation of the people who suffer from colds and flus, from who are the more predominantly mouth breathers versus no breathe, nose breathers, you'll find that the mouth breathers are way more susceptible to colds and flus and, and things. So
2: yeah, makes nasal breathing sense.
1: is key to restore balance and doing these techniques through your nose.
2: And do you have any power songs or funny things that you do? Because it all is coming back to breathing, but I want to know one thing that you don't share all the time.
1: I mean, this, those who know, know us uh, know about my... Because I make music. I produce all different types of genres of music. And I actually... Uh, D- DJ Ecstatic Dance Parties, you know, like, we've taken it on tour and, like, they're incredible. Where I combine the breathing into a guided meditation, into the dance, and they can go on for, like, several hours. They're, like, mind-blowing experiences. But there's one song I made that became, like an anthem I we literally wrote it in a few hours with the most profound lyrics ever and it's just I love my life that's it
2: Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I really thank yeah. you for your time and energy that you spend obviously repeating this information. I know it's not easy to always repeat what you, you know, what you love, even though you love it, it is also like a lot to explain. And even though Brett Work has been around for a long time, you obviously have created a program that's not, you know, every day and that is new. And I personally love it. And I would highly recommend for everyone that's listening and curious to to check it out. What is the website that people can go to to get some more samples of what you do and sign up for the 21-day challenge?
1: Yeah, so go over to somabreath.com, S-O-M-A. And there you can even find an instructor. We have like over a thousand instructors now who are trained in all these techniques and you can go much deeper with instructor than the free stuff we have online. So find instructors on our site, but then we have these courses that are led by instructors too. Our breath fit course is really good for creating healthy normal breathing habits and it also gives you like techniques you can do to measure your health every day. Then we have the 21 days, which is the one that you've done that's very powerful. And then we have the instructor training courses. Because a lot of people, like half of the people who do our courses, want to become instructors. You know, so it's a natural progression. You can actually become a soma breath instructor yourself.
2: Yeah, so you teach people to get high naturally, to get healthier and happier and love their lives more just by simply breathing better and doing breathing exercises daily. I mean, it sounds almost too good to be true, but hey, I'm going to continue doing the 21 Day Challenge. It's not over for me yet and I'll be learning from you. It's been a pleasure talking to you and thank you so much for being on Life Done Better.
1: Awesome. Thank you.
2: Thanks to Niraj Naik for joining us on the show today. Breathing is one of the most important things we do every day, yet, most of us don't even think about it. Share this episode with someone who needs to hear the lessons Niraj teaches and help brighten their day. As always, my friends, I'm Jill DeYoung. Have a beautiful day.
3: Media.